What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. So here we are. We're in this series called I Will Build My Church. And if you've missed it, everything's online. We started out, uh, where's Pastor Nestor at? There he is in the back. What's up, Ness? He's wearing a Yahweh shirt. Yahweh, Yahweh. Great job talking about the oil, talking about our responsibility as a church to be prepared to have that posture where we are, our lamps are trimmed, we have the oil, we are ready, and we see that God holds us accountable to be prepared and to be ready. Most of the church might not be ready because they don't receive what God has declared. God wants to make us ready. Then we went into the talents in Matthew chapter 25. Everybody's been given talents. Say, I'm talented. Yeah, you're talented. Here's the deal. You get in big trouble if you bury that talent. Don't do that. In fact, Jesus says, person who buries that talent is a wicked servant. But I know nobody hears that. That's not you, right? That's not you. He who's faithful with little, God will give more. He says to those who don't bury their talent, but actually say, here I am, God, multiply out these fish and loaves, right? So 5,000 can be fed. My life is yours. I'm a faithful servant with what you've given me. And Jesus responds to that person in Matthew 25 and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. Some of us don't walk with joy because we bury talents. When you use what God has given you for the body of Christ, you will experience a joy. Then we went into Acts chapter 6, and we talked about the body of Christ and the word through chapter 5 was addition, addition, addition. God was adding to the church. But then in chapter 6, the first time we see multiplication, and we know multiplication is way better than addition. We want the church. We want multiplication, right? Well, what happened? What happened was people got into place. They started serving. They took what God had given them, and they began to serve. They said, here I am. I'll serve here. And then the church began to function properly because people got into place. And we're supposed to look for people, according to Acts chapter 6, of good reputation, good reputation, full of the Spirit. And we talked about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, right? All of those things listed in Galatians 5. And then also people that are full of wisdom. It's not about having knowledge, but it's about taking that knowledge and working it out in wisdom. You can know that you're supposed to submit to one another in love. You can have that verse memorized, but you can also live a life where you never submit. Wisdom that you actually see the word becoming flesh in a person. And Ephesians 6 tells us that we need to look. Now, last week we talked about Ephesians 4, which was the fivefold gifting, the fivefold 
ministry, as it is sometimes called, and we sent you a test. The way, uh, there's a lot of people that took the test, which is awesome. But again, just because the test says it doesn't mean that you're ready to use it because a lot of people aren't mature enough in their character and Christ-likeness. And so here's what happens. You ever been to Disney World and you know that little go-kart that stays on that track? And that's for me, but I never, ever, ever want my gifting to not be to the level of my character and nature as I walk in Christ. So this is why we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. This is why the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Spirit because a lot of times we're driving a Ferrari and we keep wrecking and people get hurt because people use gifts wrong. So Ephesians 4, your gifting needs to come under the authority of the church. Let me say that again. Your gift, well, actually, I'm not going to say it again. Let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians 1. Because it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what Scripture says. It doesn't matter what I feel. It matters what the Word of God says. I see people struggle in their walk with Christ because they still question God's word. When I see what God's word says and then I see this is how I feel, I have to know something's wrong with my feelings. And my feelings better align with the word of God. If not, I'm going to continue to have problems. And so it's my prayer, one of the greatest gifts is that the word of God, the written word of God, would be lodged in every person at this church as the truth that's above every other truth. The truth that reigns supreme over every gift, over every feeling, over every emotion, over every thought, over every will. It's his word, it's his word, it's his word. And when it doesn't line up with his word, everything has to go. And so when gifts go wrong, it's because a lot of times people do not have the knowledge of the word of God. And we get off and people get hurt. So the fivefold ministry, I want you to see something in context. We're going to run through Ephesians real quick. Look at chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, it says, He put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to wear. The church, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So for those of you who are new to the church, understand this. Christ sees the church as his literal body of which he is the head of that body. If you don't believe me, go and read Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, it says Paul was ravaging the church. And then when you go to chapter 9 of Acts, chap, uh, of, of Acts, Acts chapter 9, Jesus shows up with Saul and he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Chapter 8, he's persecuting the body of Christ, the church. Jesus shows up in chapter 9 and says, why are you persecuting me? The church 
is the body of Christ. The gifts are given for the body of Christ. Not so you can become some lone ranger, six shooter, to go out in the world and say, I'm a prophet. These gifts have to come under the authority of the church. And this is why there's a lot of prophets that have been wrong and a lot of prophecies that's wrong because they're not tested through the church leadership. They're out of order. Acts 2.19. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Stay in Ephesians, stay in Ephesians. We're going to run through Ephesians, sorry. Acts 2.19. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The church is the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you're also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The church is a dwelling place of God. It's his body. It's his body. He's the head. He's the head. Listen, he's the senior pastor. He's in charge. When we meet as elders, it is often we just acknowledge, Jesus, this is your church. This is your church. I want you to go to Ephesians 3, verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same what? Body. Same body, the body of Christ, the church, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Let's go to verse 10, Ephesians 3. So that through the church, so through the church, through the church, Jesus, he says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. God is working through the church. Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Jesus spoke not to individuals, but he spoke to the church in Laodicea, the church in Philadelphia, the church, the church, the church. The Holy Spirit is at work in the church. God speaks to the church. In our American mindset, everything's individualistic where it's all about me and my personal relationship with Jesus. Do you know personal relationship isn't in the Bible? You need to have a personal relationship? Yeah. But Scripture talks more about Christ being personal in context of the body of Christ than in the individual. It's not me, it's we. We belong to one another in the church. We're members of one another. We've already read that. 
So that, verse 10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Listen, operating outside of the church, I don't ever see that. You got to be connected to the church. You need to be in the body. And by the way, verse 11, this is God's eternal purpose, guys, that this was happened through his body, through the church. You go to Ephesians 4.12. And so now we see it again. It says to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the what? The church, the body of Christ. So these fivefold giftings that we talked about last week, these are not for you to go out and get a business card that says profit on it. Actually, after today, it should always be partial profit. Pray I get to that point. It's for you to take the gift and you bring it to the church so that it functions properly. And it's not out of order. I want you to turn to Acts 14. When I said turn to Acts earlier, I was prophesying. That was a joke, people. Wasn't that funny, but hey. So we see these gifts are for the purpose of building up the church, functioning in the church, used in the church. We have to say, man, what is a key component of a church? Some people believe, hey, when two or three are gathered, that's a church. Some people believe, hey, you know what? I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, so wherever I go, I'm a church. Now, there's some truth that's there. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so wherever you go at work, people are going to have church, if you will, but there's a specific thing that, that we were told to do in the New Testament for a church to be a church, Acts chapter 14 Verse 21, it says, when they had preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. And by the way, your gifts are to strengthen, strengthen, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed what? Elders for them in what? Every church. You might want to highlight that. This church is an elder-run church. The elders are in authority. The gifts need to be submitted to the leadership of the church in order for them to properly function right. And the issue we have and the division that we have in the body of Christ is because prophets think they're above the elders. And that's arrogance, and that's pride, and that's insubordination. And this is why we have train wrecks. This is why we have Ferraris flipping over. Because nobody can submit to one another out of love, which, by the way, is Ephesians 5, 21. Husbands, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ before it says, wives, submit to your husbands. So come on now, context. Can I get a witness, my ladies up in here? 
Yeah. Females in the house. Every church, every church has to have elders. Every church has to have leadership. Now you say, okay, well, what qualifies an elder? Thanks for asking. Let's turn to 1 Timothy 3. I'm not going to teach through this because I've already taught through this as we went through the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. We broke it down. Today, I just want to read it just to remind you that the gifts are not listed in the requirements of an elder. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and then able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he might not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So if you noticed on this list, everything on this list had to do with character. Able to teach, that's not the gift of teaching, and we'll see that when we go to Titus. It's able to teach, meaning they understand the word and they have a grasp on sound doctrine because in a church, bad doctrine's going to come forth. Bad doctrine could come forth through me. This is why I submit to the elders. And we submit to one another out of love because we need one another. I want you to turn to Titus, please. What is not listed in the description for an elder is apostle, prophet, evangelist. That's not listed. It's not there. The gift listing is not there as far as a requirement. Why? Because character over everything. When you look at Jesus in the Beatitudes, he starts with character and everything's built off from that. It's Christ-like character over the gifts. Gifts are, are amazing, are awesome, but they're really not that big of a deal. I'm going to say this a lot. Don't ever forget this. God prophesied through a donkey so he can prophesy through you today. And I'm not going to use the King James word for donkey. I'll just say donkey. He can prophesy through you. <laughs> anyway. Titus chapter 1. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order, order, order. Elders are to put things in order. 
But if people don't submit, we'll never have order. If there's not honor in the house, we won't have order. If people are just flippant with their gifts and their callings and all loosey-goosey, we'll never have order. And so it takes humility to come under order. And here's what it says. Appoint what? Elders. Appoint elders in every town. So wherever there's a church, in every church, in every town, you have to have elders. You have to have people in place that, that, that rule well in the church. Verse 6. It describes what an elder should look like, and it's going to be similar to 1 Timothy chapter 3. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. That's a, that's a big word because a lot of times there's an arrogance that comes into someone's life where they think they're gifted and they have a gift and all of a sudden they become arrogant and that arrogance leads them to insubordination where they can't submit to anybody because they believe they're better than everybody. I heard from God. Seven, for an overseer is God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant, arrogant or quick-tempered. Highlight that, please. A drunkard or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-control, upright, holy, disciplined. Again, what are all these things? These are character traits that either qualify or disqualify someone from being an elder. And again, church, when we put elders' pictures up on here, when we onboard elders, if you have accusations against an elder, I pray you'd obey Jesus Matthew 18, 15, you go one-on-one to them. But for an elder, we need to know about that. We need to know about that. Because it's a, a pretty serious list here of how an elder should live their life. Verse 8, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Again, these are not gifts. This is character. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So an elder has to be so trained in the word of God that he can hold the line for doctrine, but also when someone is off doctrine, rebuke somebody in a way that brings them back into right doctrine. And this is the job of an elder. Again, that's not the gift of teaching. What that is, is an understanding of doctrine. There's elders who are horrible teachers. Again, when it says able to teach, the, 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 the purpose is that this, has, this person has a grasp on the, on the whole counsel of Scripture. Okay? It's very important because we all can be off. We all can come under deception. Right? Listen, there's a lot of people who are not cat lovers. You're under deception. When you read the Bible, dogs are not good. Dogs are not good. The lion is in the cat family. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm just saying that you are under deception. I'm just kidding. 
We can all be under deception. Cat lovers, can I get a witness up in here? Woo! <laughs> all right, help me, Lord. That would not be sound doctrine, by the way. So my next elder meeting, my elders should be saying, Chris, you know. So you see, all of this has to do with character, guys. It's character. It's Christ-likeness. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, right? These things are more important than the gifts. We get enamored by the gifts. We get in awe of the gifts. But the gifts are supposed that was wanting to, to plant a church. And he went to his authority and said, hey, I feel like God wants us to plant a church. The authority said no. And the reason why, I didn't know it at the time, but the reason why the authority said no is because authority was looking on at this person that this guy's character wasn't ready to plant a church. So authority said no. Well, here's the problem. The apostle came back. What kind of person would not want to plant a church? God tells us to go and make disciples. God tells us to go and plant a church. That guy in authority must not be walking in the spirit. That guy took his ball and left. Made a judgment and accusation and left. Little kids, I'm taking my ball and going home. Whenever you see somebody in the body of Christ take their ball and go home, hello, little baby. <laughs> Don't you know how to play nice? That ball is a gift that was given to you from Abba. Learn how to use it right. And it is not nice when you don't share. It's not nice when you don't let others go first. It's not nice when you're not patient. Because the answer may be no today, but it may be yes weeks later. And if you're quick-tempered, and you think you're dialed into the Holy Spirit all the time, all day, every day, because you got the last hundred prophecies right, and you can't submit to authority, All of a sudden, your lifestyle disqualifies you for your position. And that's sad when it happens, and people get hurt when that happens. And so to me, gifts are no big deal. Gifts, to me, are like a fork and a knife. They're just utensils to bring the plate, which is Jesus, to me. To bring the plate, which is to Jesus, to other people. That's all gifts are. Don't be enamored. You know what I'm enamored by? It's a person who doesn't get their way, who knows that they're right biblically, but continues to remain under and submit out of love for the sake of Christ. That's why I like my wife. Because she's always right. I'm never right. But she continues to stay with me. 
and love me. I'll never forget a time where we were partnering at Urban Youth Impact before Bow Down was planted, a, a local church. And this local church had a prophet on staff. The prophet called a meeting to all of our leadership. And the prophet came in and he had a word from the Lord. And the word was, hey, scripture says, don't be unequally yoked. Right now, we're unequally yoked because Urban Youth Impact is not under the church's authority. And so what the Holy Spirit is saying, urban youth, you need to come under our church's authority. He delivered that word. Unfortunately, I was in the meeting. Unfortunately, I have, I have memorized 2 Corinthians 6.14, which, by the way, he took it out of context. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't be unequally yoked believers with unbelievers. Hey, bro, we're all believers here. And I said, politely, that's not from God. His response back was not polite, but it was angry and quick-tempered. And then he rose up in his posture and said, who are you? I'm a prophet. That's a word from the Lord. And I said, I'm just a guy that's reading the Bible. And here's the deal. What was going on there was somebody was using the word, a false prophet, and they were wanting control. See, the spirit of Christ doesn't say, I want to control. It says, I haven't come to be served, but I came to serve. So let me take the low position here. This is not about me. Really, if the Holy Spirit was prophesying through that guy, how can our church serve urban youth better? Because it is not about us. It is about you. That's how real Christians walk. That's how we live. That's how we breathe in the Spirit, never wanting to dominate, never wanting to manipulate, never wanting to control. And see, when you don't get your way, what do you do? Prophet, apostle, And that exposes just where you are as far as your walk with Christ. That you're not yet ready to drive the Ferrari. And people are going to get hurt. You've got to become a disciple. You've got to become a disciple. A disciple, Jesus says, is somebody that denies themselves. Deny yourself, meaning inside of you, you have a soul. In your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have to deny all of that so that the Holy Spirit can move in a right way. Let's let's go ahead to, to 1 Thessalonians 5. Please. So again, I just want to say the fivefold ministry is a gifting that we want to happen in the church, but that gifting should always be in submission to the church, the church's authority. And why would I say that? Well, that's why we're in First Thessalonians 5. Let's look at verse 12. 
It says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourself. So who is over you, right? The elders are. They're serving you. Leadership is, right? The deacons that are serving, they're, they're over the church. And so, man, you have to have a heart of honor in our society. Listen, because of issues with dad, issues with society, bad authority that's trying to control People have just gotten rid of authority like it's a bad word. No, Scripture tells us to submit to authority. In fact, in 1 Peter 5, it says, those of you who are younger, submit to the elders. Submit to them. And there's been such wounding that we don't want to do that because we can't trust And we're living out of past experiences rather than living in the word of God, which says to submit to the elders. So many times, unfortunately, I've seen prophets and apostles, people that are have been gifted. They they don't have any respect for authority and they move too fast because Their Christ-like character has not been developed, and they're wrecking Ferraris, and people are getting hurt. Listen, Jesus, he had perfect words from the Lord. People didn't listen to him. He rebuked them, he corrected them, but he kept moving towards them out of love, and in fact, embraced the cross and died for them and while they were killing him he said father forgive them for they know not what they do if you are mature in christ and you submit your gift your word your whatever to the church and the church doesn't receive or accept are you still going to embrace the cross and stay with are you just going to leave that's not the love of god Love never fails. Love believes the best. Love always hopes. Love, love, love. Love. It's one thing to say to a person that's under deception and just, they're under deception, I'm leaving. But it's another thing to say they're under deception, but I'm coming in closer. Because Christ is a healer. Do you know when you read John 13, it says that Satan already put in the heart of Judas to betray him. What did Jesus do? He got down on his feet and washed Judas's, he, he, he washed Judas's feet. That's love. That's love. That's love. Like, okay, prophet, you're, you're discerning. There's some kind of demonic influence here. Okay, look at what Jesus did to Judas. He washed his feet. See, I, I, I'm tired of And really, God is the arrogance that the prophets walk with, but they're not moving in love. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to get there, Lord willing. If I prophesy and fathom all, all mysteries, but I have not love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. We're to be known by our love, not our prophecies. 
We're, we're, we're supposed to be known by our love, not our, our, our correct doctrine. How many people we led to Christ, evangelists. How good our teaching is. No, 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 no. Love. And greater love is no one than this than when we lay down our life for our friends. Christ laid his life down for Judas. Let's go to verse 14. Same chapter, 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, we urge you, brothers. So like, there's a pleading going on. Hey guys, please, please listen to this. Admonish the idol. So, hey, idol, those of you who are not saying, hey, where can I serve the church? You're just admonished right now, okay? Love you. Because today's the day of salvation, right? Huh? Patience. Patience to those who won't receive. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ. But test everything. And I want you to highlight verse 21. This is the problem with a lot of the prophets and apostles. They won't come under the testing. Look, if you've got a directional prophecy for this church, hey, we want to hear it. The elders want to hear it. We want to test it. We're just not going to let you just come up here and just start prophesying. No, bring it to the church. Lay it at the feet of the elders, of the leadership. Give it to the deacons, right? So the deacons might test it, right? Hey, we feel like God is leading to do this. Okay, let's go. Let's test this thing. Because is the right thing? Is it the right time? Is it the right way? Is it the right person? Because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And sometimes we can gotta get, get ahead of God, just like Abraham did with Hagar. And that's still causing problems today because the, what, the patience wasn't there. And that word wasn't tested. So the word everything means everything. So again, we believe in prophecy. We never, ever, ever despise it in this church. But listen, your stuff needs to be tested in the church, in the body of Christ, because it's for the body of Christ. And there is a lot of mess out there. How many prophets were wrong on Trump being president? And my question is, did they bring that to church leadership and submit to the elders of the church what they were feeling and what they were thinking? Because here, here's what happened with that. And this is why Hebrews 4 is so important with prophets. Hebrews 4 Verse 12, the word of God, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It separates soul and spirit. Soul and spirit, right? Yeah, you have a spirit and you have a soul. And again, in your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. A lot of times, our soul can be ultra-maga Trump. Can I get a witness? We want that. We believe that. We think that's what's best for the nation. Ultra-maga the Lord told me, Trump. And what happened there, and I, I, this, this soul, is that never, ever was settled down by the rhema of God. It's not what I want, it's what you want. It's not what I think, but it's what you think. 
separate my soul from the spirit so that this prophecy can be right. This prophecy can be right. I can't have, I have to deny myself completely. This can't be off a, a, and when prophecies are wrong, a lot of times it's an accusation or a judgment against somebody, and that hasn't come under the authority of the Holy Spirit. The word of God isn't slicing out the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, and we operate out of emotions so that word is off. And I've seen it way too many times. This is why every prophecy needs to be tested. So when you come up here, and you asked me to pray for you. Here's a r- real story that happened. This guy comes up, believes God's going to heal him. He has like colitis or something. I can't remember. Incurable disease. So I said, okay, but let's wait on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And all of a sudden, in my mind, as I'm trying to settle out, God, do you want to heal this guy? I know he wants healed, but what do you want to do? Because biblically, sometimes God afflicts people because they're in rebellion. And he doesn't always heal everybody. Again, I wish I had more time for that teaching. But so many ignorance in the, so much ignorance in the body of Christ, so Jesus is going to heal everybody. No, he's not. And sometimes you're actually going against the will of God, praying for healing over someone that God is afflicted. Now, I'm messing with your doctrine here, but please just trust me. So here's this story, and I'm asking God what he wants to do, and all of a sudden, the word parents comes to my mind. That is a word of knowledge. And I said, tell me about your parents. And he says, oh, I had great Christian parents. And while he was talking out of his mouth, I got the word judgments. It just came to my mind. I said, have you ever judged your parents? His eyes got really big like I was reading his mail, which I wasn't reading his mail. I'm not smart enough to read the mail, but the Holy Spirit was reading his mail. I just happened to be around when it was happening. It's not me. It's Christ in me. Don't get it twisted. I can't do anything apart from Christ, and God desires no flesh glory in his presence. I'm just a donkey. A bigger one than you think. Thank you for no amens and no witnesses. Way to go, honey. Way to be self-controlled, babe. So when I asked him, when he started doing that, his eyes got real big, and he said, that was about the time I got colitis. And I said, you're in sin right now because the Bible says honor your mother and father, period. Not if. Not if they're good, not if they love, not if. It says period. And some of you right now are in rebellion against God because in your heart there's no honor for your parents. Now listen, there's no condemnation in Christ, but that's going to need to be something you repent of. So I said, you need to go apologize to your parents. He did. They reconciled. I prayed for healing, and he was healed completely. His name's Kevin Santiago, by the way, and he's got his pastorate. He went to seminary after that, Denver Theological Seminary or something, 
but God healed him. He's never had that disease, which was incurable. But if I would have just prayed for him, God probably may not have would have healed him because he was harboring sin and rebellion against his parents. He was disobeying God. So God, according to the book of Psalms and other places, he afflicts people sometimes, which is why we just don't pray for healing. The guy that was cut through the roof, what happened? Jesus said, your sins are forgiven before the healing happened. So why is it there? Prophecy, words of knowledge. This is needed in the body of Christ so that we can minister properly. Test everything, everything. Everything I've said today, guess what? You need to test it. And if you have issue with it, don't take your ball and go home. Come see me. Then it says in 21, hold fast to what is good. Meaning, every time a prophet speaks, it's not going to be good. We can be off. Like Derek Prince says, you can, you can cast out the devil, but you can't cast out your flesh. And so we're always going to have our flesh with us, which means we are always, always, we always have the potential of being off because our mind, will, and emotions are not always under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you test everything. That's why Scripture affirms the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, because they heard Paul, the apostle, and they went and they checked the Scriptures to see if it was so. That's why we hand out Bibles here. That's why I don't make points without going to Scripture. gave you homework of going to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 to meditate on that, to focus on that, to read that, to prepare for today. We can deduct from that that God doesn't want us to be ignorant of the gifts. He also has listed a lot of gifts in there. And when it gets down to the end of 12, it says, do all have the gift of tongues? Do all prophesy? This is why we teach here. Everybody doesn't have the gift of tongues. Why? Because scripture says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so when people label you as not full of the spirit because you don't speak in tongues, that's poor doctrine. That's bad doctrine. That's not from 1 Corinthians 12. That's made up stuff. When you hear someone say that church is not spirit filled. That's horrible doctrine because you're not a church unless you have the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is spirit filled or else you're not a Christian. I know what you're trying to say, but stop it because it's causing division and it's bad doctrine.
Doctrine's important, guys. These gifts are important. And the, the thing that I want you to walk away with is this. In the midst of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, right in the middle, is love. Why is that? Because love is more important than the gifts. God puts that in the middle because he wants us to understand, man, if we are not walking in love, unconditional love with one another, who cares about these gifts? Who cares? They're not being used in a right way. And so we've got to be people that are committed to love one another. And that's why God, with his sovereign, divine hand, wrote 1 Corinthians 13 in the midst of what is controversial. Because without love, gifts will never be used right. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 13, 9. So it gets down and it says, if I have prophecy, but don't have love, if I've given my body to be burned, but don't have love, and then it describes love, but then it gets down to verse nine. You see what that says? Right now, we prophesy in what? 13 letters, but he's even saying, we prophesy in part, the humility. And, I, and, and some of you are gifted prophets, just don't say, ever forget you're a partial prophet. Help me, God, never to forget I'm a partial prophet. And what matters more than anything is how are we going to love one another? How are we going to take these gifts that God has given us, bring them to the body of Christ, test, hold fast to, what, to what's good, get rid of, right? It's going to happen because we are members one another and we love one another. Love. Partial prophets, it's time to, to stand up in your role. But you're only halfway there, no matter how good you are. So be humble. Come forward today and get a piece of humble pie. I'm a partial prophet. Father, I thank you for this time. Worship team, come on up. We just celebrate you, God, because you are good. We thank you for your love that never fails. It never fails. It never fails. You are with us. You are with us. You are with us, never to leave us or forsake us. We praise you, Jesus, because of your love. We thank you, God, that you've given us gifts. You've given us the role gifts in, in 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, in Ephesians 4, but you've also given us manifestation gifts that are listed in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And I pray, God, that we would use these gifts in a way that honors you, that builds up the body of Christ. And so, God, in the name of Jesus, I ask and I beg that you would pour out your spirit today, that your people would rise up in their gifts, but yet do everything in love. Do everything in love, God. Help us to be people that do everything in love, submitting to one another out of love. Correct our bad doctrine, God, and keep this place safe from that. But God, bring us people, God, and raise up people, God, that would walk in your gifts and that would use your gifts not for themselves, but for the beauty of the bride of Christ. 
We need you, God, to do that in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.